We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the truth of small business. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the big truths of small business. Sponsored by Yes I Rent. Yes I Rent. Yes I Rent. Property management. Place good tents and collect your rent. Maintain your properties and account for it. Truth. We got the truth. We got the truths. We got the big truths. A small business sponsored by SIRENT. Joe Watkins and Travis Castle coming to you semi-live from the Yes I Rent studios. Joe? With the big truths of small business. Small business. Hey, Joe, have I ever told you you're a pretty empathetic guy? No. Is, do people stop you that you know and say, hey, Joe, Joe, man, let me get some of that empathy from you. So it's, not, it's not the trait that I get overly commended on. However, I think I'm much better than I give given credit. I think you're going to share that today. I mean, I think you're pretty good at uh, at empathizing, I mean, certainly with yourself. I know you have a lot of empathy for yourself, like when you make a mistake or something. So that's a, that's at least a starting point, em- empathizing with yourself. But so today we're talking about the uh, the art, and it is an art. But perhaps we're going to find out it's a bit of a science too of negotiation, something you do know a little bit about. I, I, look, I'll be a I actually consider you a a pretty high level negotiator. Well, I would not deem myself as a salesperson, but I think I, I in in when you have two willing parties, meaning both parties are trying to get something done. I I I think that's in the past where I would say that things has moved into negotiations. This is what I've said in the past. It's moved into negotiations, and I think I'm pretty doggone good at that. Uh, it's that cold entry into the place where somebody wants to do business is the part I struggle. But, um, you know, what we're going to reveal today in this discussion around negotiations, and this has kind of been a little bit of a mantra for me here over the last 12 months, is that negotiations come into play in almost every communication. That's what I've been saying. Maybe we get proved wrong or right here. This is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that as I've broken down all different types of conversations with employees, with with uh, vendors, with customers, just with even with family members, you start to realize that we're all different. We all think different. We look at the world differently. We have different needs, responsibilities, different trigger points. And as the more I begin to understand that about, we're going to call the other side in negotiation a counterpart. Once I begin to understand that about the counterpart that I'm dealing with, you start to realize that the techniques of negotiations are very applicable in all of these respects. I I want to stop you right there before we jump into some of the bullet points that we've already kind of determined we want to, Talk about a little bit, um, man. I tell you, uh, the, the the understanding the other person, 
before you start the negotiation. I mean, there's some people, you know, in fact, is it a person or is it an entity, right? I mean, I guess at the end of the day, there's always a person representing the entity or whatever. But in other words, the vested interest, pretty big part of negotiating. Um, you know, who who am I talking to? What's their interest in it? Do they have a personal interest in it? Is it all business? Are they an employee of a larger company? And it kind of, you know, doesn't matter one way or the other. So, yeah, I, I think knowing the counterpart, we'll call them, is huge. Defining who they are, what their motivations are. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think, that, you know, we've committed here, guys, and, and I'd like to hear some feedback if, if this is the right direction or not from the audience. But we've committed to, to try to have a little bit more structure with some of our nuggets. But at the same time, we want to have fun. And we know the more structure we have, the more it feels like work, the more it's not fun. So we've got to balance all this out. Life's a balance. But we're going to have a little structure. So you, you kind of went into, I think, one of the main topics around a great negotiator. And let's just use uh, sort of the most extreme example of when a great negotiator is required. And uh, you could probably give the guy's name, but he, he, give his name. he wrote a book. And he was one of the top negotiators. Was it the mil- in, in the FBI? It's for the FBI. The, the book is Never Split the Difference. It's blowing up. I, I've seen YouTube videos that this guy Chris Voss has done. Chris Voss. Chris, Chris is the real deal. He's not a fake FBI guy that says he was in the FBI and is getting kind of famous. He, he's the guy that the FBI put on the phone when there was a terrorist uh, on the other line. So, so Chris Foss is an FBI negotiator. They bring him in, or did in the past, when the most extreme versions of, uh, of crisis are occurring, and we've got people on the other side who are, you know, potentially willing to do anything. And, and so why do you need the best negotiator in those cases, and how can we use that in our business, our small business? I think it's fascinating to think about. Uh, uh, because it is his ability to communicate and what and what we are learning from his from his teaching in the book is his ability to understand and empathize with the counterpart is the way the door begins to open to a real dialogue where the counterpart give some there's not even a real according to 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 chris Foz, there's not even a a negotiation happening yet if you've not gotten the counterpart to say you're right in something meaning you're a salesperson and you you know you've started your sales uh, process and very early on you've gotten them to agree with you on something right well, I, I think, well, yeah, I mean, and first off, empathy, be, being in sales my whole life, I don't want somebody to agree with me and I don't want somebody to enter into a contract, especially to do whatever, purchase real estate or to you know manage their property or whatever the contract is, if they don't genuinely want to do it. I mean, I don't want to trick, there, there, there's no, in fact, I would say this after being in business a while, tricks kind of don't work. We all want to know the tricks. Anybody in small business, anybody, uh, you know, go into any situation where they want to make money, you know, our ears are itching for what is the trick here? What's the, 
What's the shortcut? The, sh- the how, shortcut. How do I get the guy to sign? How do I get how, how do I get this deal closed? And I would just say this: remember that just because people sign a piece of paper doesn't mean they're going to actually perform. You can get them. You can trick them. Uh, my experience: you, you can play some psychological games to get people to sign a piece of paper. But after you sign that piece of paper, there's performance that has to happen on both parties. On both parties, and and you and I both know a lot of times, even if it's a somebody's legally bound to perform, doesn't mean they're going to perform. And then that, so now the ball's back in your court. Are you going to force them? Are we going to sue each? You know, we get into all that mess, and and nobody wants to get bogged down with that. So I would lay the backdrop to the whole conversation, which is, you know. I'll need to understand them partly, not just to be able to manipulate them in some negotiation, but I need to understand them to know if, is this something they should be doing? Yeah. So I think what you're saying is, and I'm going to put this in the context of our world, real estate, you know, there needs to be a ready, willing, and able buyer and a ready, willing, and able seller. And they got to be ready, willing, and able to deal on this one piece of property. Um, when there's actual intent shown and made, and, and, and in our world, real estate agents are supposed to, you know, pull out some of, of this to understand, um, you know, what the motivations are. But once we've, we've determined there's, there's proper motivation and, and there's something that can be done here, then there's a negotiation that ensues. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and I'd like to say when we get to that point, you, you know, you heard me a couple of weeks ago in the meeting, um, ask our team and I would ask whoever's listening if you own a small business if you're thinking about getting into small business or like you said frankly everything's a negotiation so anybody in your life who you're negotiating with in any small or big way um, this isn't on here but I think it kind of goes with being empathetic um, because when I think about empathy I think about I don't think about people who are opposing each other that that's even a great way that Chris frames it here I mean I'm empathetic. Uh, and I said to our team last week, so I'll give you an example. Landlord-tenant relationships. Historically, when I say that, you know, what would most people rate a landlord and a tenant? It's landlord versus a tenant in most people's mind. It's, it's adversarial. I want the most rent. I want to pay the least rent. I'm not going to, you know, I want you to take care of my property like, you know, better than I would. Well, you know, it's just a rental. <clears throat> okay. So these are kind of opposing things. So the first thing I told our team, we were talking about, we were going over the move-in process. So, so for those of you who are listening, what's the move-in? Move-in, we, we meet a tenant over at a property. It's move-in day. They're getting their new house, right? And so we're spending, as a company right now, a lot of time figuring out how do we make that a great day for our tenant? They, they get the home. The home's in great shape. Yard's cut. Bushes are trimmed. Smells good. It's clean. That whole thing. Well, one of the things that, you know, we kind of discovered through that process, uh, A, the process was broken a little bit. We took ownership of that. But B, we didn't have any, there were, there, I mean, this was a, this is kind of a stressful situation for the tenant, but it's also a nice kind of great day. Everybody likes the new, new place. We weren't making friends is what I call it. So the first thing I would say in a negotiation, if possible, this is definitely not always possible on, in some negotiations. But the first thing I would say is what are you doing to make friends with quote unquote, the enemy who shouldn't be. I'll say it the other way. Be friendly. Yeah. Be friendly. Don't don't come in with, you know, harsh language with definite language. Don't come in with no's. Um, Come in with an agreeable posture. 
a pleasant posture. D- don't come in and overdress your counterpart. You know, if you've got some uh, intuition about who your counterpart is, don't don't overdress them. I understand in the old days that was there. There is a power negotiation strategy here that that dress can 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 help with. You see it in politics a lot, but but when we're talking about as Travis said, not coercing somebody to to come to a uh, you know to an agreement, but but actually them buying into the agreement. That's where the real power is here, and so so be friendly. Be friendly, break the walls down with the counterpart, and I think when we get back to this empathy empathy thing, because I want to stay on this empathy for a minute. And this is powerful. This is what the whole book is about: is the other side, the counterpart needs to to believe that you are listening to them, that you you are you are understanding the plight that they that they have the goals that they're trying to achieve. And and by listening doesn't mean you've agreed with anything that they say. It just means that you're listening and you're and you're showing concern. And by showing concern, you're breaking the walls down, which really opens up negotiation because the most powerful forms of negotiations are when you have trust built as well as you really are in a position to uh, to use some of the power things we're going to talk about later. But trust in here is is critical uh, to getting the, the best win-win. Yeah, I, what, I, what I think I'm saying is there's some groundwork to empathy, right? I mean, yeah. if I do everything wrong, and I go, oh, yeah, Joe, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying, but... Eh, you know, that, that's not really empathy. That That's me trying to... It's being friendly. It's like I said, it's, it's, it's got to be genuine. Being, being friendly. So, so you're saying, you know, everybody needs to be heard, basically. You know, everybody wants an audience. Everybody wants their concerns heard. I mean, you know, the reason that customers end up on Google most of the time is they didn't have an ear to yell at, right? Or they didn't feel comfortable. The groundwork could not have been laid to make them comfortable to complain to, to, to you, the business owner. So what do they do? They're going to be heard. Right, so so being, let's, let's being give them a little example. Of that can we can we go back and uh, forth in a little example dialogue here? Google reviews are, are hard examples for me. But. So I have a I have a car <laughs> All right. that that I'm trying to sell you. Yeah. Okay, I have a a 2009 Chrysler Town and Country oh, White. Oh, oh, it's in oh. beautiful condition, and, and Travis wants to he wants this car because he wants to put logos on it, and he wants to really sport the company brand. And I appreciate that, but the negotiation here is. The price is 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 part of the problem here, and so anyway, so let's do it. Let's do it wait, live. Wait, let's show them empathy. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Did you say a two thousand nine Chrysler man? Two thousand nine. Just name your price, man. Everybody wants one of those. <laughs> That's why this negotiation <laughs> tactic is important. All right, go ahead. All right, so I own the car. You want the car? I want the car. So you've 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 called me. So the, so so the first thing I would do though is that before I called you, I would know what the car is worth, right? I mean, I, I would I would go to KBB.com. You know what you think it's worth. I'd go to KBB. That's fine. I'd, I'd put in a fair value. Let's assume KBB says the car's worth $5,500. Okay? Let's I just th- assume. I, I think they'd say forty five. Let's assume they say fifty five. Why don't we split the difference and we'll go? I, I can't even split the difference. All right. So, so $5,500. That's what, what KBB, KBB says based okay. on what you know about the car. Okay. Okay. I'm asking $9,500. Wow. All right, so, okay. so you call in. Hey, Joe, I'm calling on the Chrysler, the, uh, man, the 09 Beauty you've got on Craigslist. Really? Well, great, man. That, what's your name, sir? Uh, my name is Travis. 
Well, Travis, this is Joe, and uh, you, you said it right. You're exactly right. It's a beauty. God, it's beautiful. Oh, man, I'm telling you, it's been babied. It's been, I mean. Joe, what kind of engines that car got in it? It's a 4.0. Oh, zero to 60. How much? No, seven? it's a, it's a 4.3, actually. Se- seven seconds? That thing will pull a trailer, Travis. Will it? It's, it's never pulled a trailer. I've never done it, but it, it would. would. Yes, yeah. it yeah. it's, it's beautiful. It's the most posh, comfortable thing you've ever seen. It was babied. It oh. was our secondary vehicle. Oh, man. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, you know, we've priced it uh, reasonably considering the mileage. It's yeah. only got 40,000 miles on it. Yeah. You know, most cars that age are looking at about 150,000 miles. Right, right. Yeah. So, so yes, yeah, so your interest is in the car, and, and uh, let, yeah, I'd love to love cool, to uh, have you see it and test drive it. Oh, man, I'd love to. Can I just ask you, um, why are you selling, selling that car? Well, it's a secondary vehicle, and we bought another secondary vehicle. So now we got two secondary vehicles, and yeah, we just don't need we don't need two secondary vehicles. Oh man, us. yeah, I know that second car payment stings, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's just having two vehicles and paying for maintenance and insurance and all that. It's just oh, yeah, you got to insure it too. It's yeah. important to to not have two. So right, right, but you know, no payments on us. We're not in any big rush. So if you got a few vehicles, where are you parking this one? Is this one? Garage kept, I would have said. Not currently, no. Oh, it's outside in the elements. It is. I see. Okay, I got you. All right, so you're just selling it because you don't need it? Is that what you're saying? That's right. I got you. Okay. What do you do for a living, Joe? Well, Travis, what I do for a living is uh, I sell real estate. But today I'm selling a car and uh, would love to to get you in this thing and and help you see the value. And, And listen, I've got five other people that have called in I need to get back to if it's not. Uh, if okay, you, if I, this I see is what not, you're saying. Well, I, I'm I'm super. I mean, you can tell I'm super interested, right? I'm just trying to get a feel for uh, for for the car. And how many miles is on it? Uh, Forty thousand. Oh wow! Yeah, it's low mileage. And that's low mileage. Very low mileage. That is rare. Is low mileage very important to you? That is rare. It's very rare. You know, not really. It's a car for my uh, my uh, mother-in-law, so it's not not a huge deal. But hey, parentheses here. Travis is not acting like a real buyer. Well, wait a minute. I'm tr- I'm going. To, I'm going to do exactly what I would do if I. <laughs> If I called you now, now look, right. hey, uh, let's, keep, let, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Right. So, um, so you're asking 9,500 for it. Yes, sir. So help me understand. How did you come to that price? Well, when I, when I took into consideration, uh, that, uh, right now, the problem with, and I know you probably looked at KBB and some of these others problem with those price pricing indexes is they lag way behind the marketplace. I don't know if you've been to CarMax or, or other used car parking lots, they don't, they don't have any cars, you know? And so what I know about the car I have at 40,000 miles, completely loaded with the most posh leather ever that's been babied, I know that, that it's supremely valuable to the right buyer. And I'm, I'm, I'm not in any desperate situation to sell. I'm just looking for the right buyer that appreciates someone that really has taken care of a car and done all of its service, has all with service documents. You know, one of those kind of buyers. And I hear you, and I appreciate that you sound like the guy that has babied the car. It's exactly what I need for my mother-in-law. Um, so here's what I'd like to do. No further, I know you're a busy guy, and it sounds like uh, you, you got a lot of people to get back to. So I want to go ahead and and uh, make you an offer here. Now, I want you to understand, uh, due to the pandemic, I've been out of work for a few months. Okay, so I mean, money is a little tight for me, Joe. And... Uh, Man, so I, I, I've been on, give me a minute. 
I've been online uh, looking and looking and looking. Man, I just got to tell you that uh, after a little bit of research here on your car, which I really want, I can't deny that, I'd like to offer you $2,500 cash, and I can bring it to you right now. Well, Travis, what I think I hear you saying is that you're not really uh, one that can afford a vehicle of this price point. And, and I understand that. And I appreciate that, 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 that it would be nice for, to, to get a car like this. Um, there is a, a, a Pars Cars, I think, here locally in town that I can point you to. And you're going to get, you know, maybe 175,000 miles on one. But we can get you one for 2,500. I'll even help you do that. Because I, I, I have true concern around somebody who needs to have an affordable car. This is a very affordable car, and in fact, I could probably put you together with some financing on it as well. Um, I've got some financing terms with some of the folks that I know. You've got some options. And so, you know, I, you know, I understand where you're coming from, and I feel for that situation and would be willing to help you just on this car. It's probably not going to work. Oh, you don't think it'll work? Not, not at 2500 Because I was willing to bring that. So, so what, what, let me just ask you, what is the best price you can give me, man? And remember, I've been out of work for a few months here. I need some help. I mean – I'm ready to buy it right now. I'm too. probably more willing to work with you on terms rather than price, Travis. Yeah, okay. yeah, I, I, it's worth ninety five hundred dollars. Um, we both know that it is, and and I think you'd agree with me on that. It's just a really solid vehicle in mileage. <laughs> well, I mean, worth the price. It, it is a it is beautiful outside and of so, anything else. And so I'm willing to work more, more on terms yeah. uh, if that's something you're interested in. What type uh, of terms would you be? Uh, willing to yeah, offer? it's going to take something like five thousand down. And, 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 and probably stretch out the other payments over maybe 12 months. And, and I'll probably, you know, to, to give you a little bit in, in this, because I understand where you're at, I'm not even going to charge you interest on, on the other $4,000. We'll do that over 12 months interest-free. Um, and then so you're basically, you know, with interest uh, carrying all that, you're actually getting the car for less. Joe, help, help me, because what I did before I called you, what you may not know, is I contacted my insurance agent. And I asked him, I said, look, um, I, I want to talk to you about which cars to buy. He kind of narrowed it down to a few different cars. Yours was one of them. And we were going over the book value of the car, right? And he said max value on this one. And then it was 5500 I called my bank. I said, what would you own on this car? Max value, the bank and the insurance agent and KBB.com. These three third-party sources have agreed that the maximum value for your vehicle is $5,500. So, Joe, I ask you one more time, what's the best price you can give me on your car? I mean, Travis, I, I would have you wanting to drive this thing to see if it's even a fit for you once you get in it. And once you fill those seats, and, uh, and you'll, you'll understand that, that, that even me moving $500 off the number. It's just crazy. Isn't it? yeah, it's not, it's not it's crazy. It's not something that uh, – that at this point, with with the traffic I have, I'm willing to do. But but listen, I'll keep your number. So you know when things move down the line, and and maybe circumstances change for you, and maybe I can reach out to you. Um, Joe, but, I I I clearly empathize with what you're saying, and I I appreciate what who you are and how you've taken care of that vehicle. I feel that today, perhaps there's an emotional attachment to this car that is outpacing the market value for it. Well, I appreciate that. And and what I appreciate is th that do you, you do you empathize that you with have it? that you have offered about 25% of my asking price. And so I I think bracket aside, let me pull outside of our conversation. 
this is a negotiation you don't have probably past the first offer because it's so bad. Wow. That's me. That's you. If you were closer in the, if you were coming in at like 5,000 or 55, then we've got somewhere to work. But you were so low that, that in the I, art of negotiation, Travis, you failed because you know what you're not going to get? The car. I'm troubled. You're done. I am troubled by the you idea so low. that you're trying to sell the car you're for so, double the market and value. And I'm troubled. How, how do we have a conversation where the seller is so disillusioned? Maybe that's another point too. And in fact, you're the guy to have this conversation because I've heard you have this conversation with disillusioned sellers. Did you know that Progress Residential got $1,650 a month in McDonough, Georgia for a 1,200-square-foot property in a regular neighborhood? Do you know what the average rent in there is, Travis? I sure do because I brought those numbers. About, about twelve fifty. <laughs> I brought those numbers to you. So, so, I so, actually do so they yeah. got What? 35, 40% above market? Why? I'm concerned about that. They had the product, Travis. Sometimes the product. I'm concerned about that situation. Let's move on to the principles of uh, negotiation. Because Travis, by the way, Travis did not get the car. I would say, well, 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 here's the deal. I got many cars to choose. You got one to sell, which you did not sell, by the way. I thought. (laughs) Oh, that was the that was guy. I, I was willing to go with the fine. You had me at the financing, but you, you're not negotiating. There's got to be a negotiation here. You certainly didn't empathize with my pandemic situation. <laughs> there was no hey, God, man. How you guys been making it? <laughs> That's true. How you been making it, Travis? That's true. That's true. I mean, you could have got me. I paid seven thousand. I did say empty wasn't band. my best. <laughs> By, by, by the way, could I buy that man for forty five? <laughs> no, <laughs> okay, that's right. pretty pretty good deal. It's only got forty thousand miles on it. Uh, so so I, I wasn't heard. I wasn't empath, empathized with. Um, you, you, I agree with you on that. Th- there's another big thing too. I don't know if he gets into this in the book, which you and I clearly uh, are fans of. But I would say don't make assumption. One of the big mistakes I think people make in negotiating here is they go ahead and answer the question for the person they're negotiating with based on how they feel about the negotiation, right? I mean, just like you said, it could be financing. It could be a million things other than everybody thinks it's just about what I'm paying for it. It's, I mean, your experience here, I'll ask you. So Joe's back. Joe's a real estate investor at heart. Joe has a lot of experience in negotiating real estate. And part of negotiating real estate is helping the other party I just think this is huge. Uh, helping the other party understand what reality actually. You know what? Let's get let's get back into this. I got I got I got to do my part better. Let's get back. In, we're back into the negotiation. Back in, all, right. all right. So Travis, I gave you three sources of value. What I would like to to do is first say three. The pandemic has been hard on a lot of us, and the mm-hmm. fact that uh, that you've lost your job temporarily is 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 it's got a big effect on you and and uh, and others. And, uh, and so I, I definitely value that. And I, and I, I, I understand where you're coming from there. I've got some family members with the same plight, uh, in terms of, uh, here's kind of what I like to do is, is figure out what, what is your ultimate, you know, what are you, what are you ultimately trying to accomplish here? Do you have a current car that you are able to drive? Are you, are you out of a car? Are you, tell me what 
the real need here is and see if we can help fulfill this need. So, again, this is for my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law. Oh, this now, is for your mother-in-law. Is my, she, she's moved into the basement, and she's helping us out in terms of getting through the situation. So she's paying some rent, living in the basement. Well, she's got some money then. So, I mean, she's got, uh, you know, she had to move into our basement, you know, so she didn't have a ton <laughs> of money. But she needs she needs a vehicle because, frankly, I need her to go to work. So if she's got she's got to have transportation. She it's needs not, reliable. It's not from she's reliable. Reliable transportation she, she is reliable is, transportation. Is, is a van something that you're also looking for? Low mileage van is is why we called you. And, and Travis, how many other uh, low mileage forty thousand mile vans have you found in the in the twenty five hundred dollar price range? Well, look, Joe. Here, here's what I'm here, here's what I'm saying about that mm-hmm. is. Man, just help me out with this. May, may you sound like a guy that has made some pretty good decisions here. So help me out. I mean, that's all I can afford. I'm gonna help but you. you, you I, you've I got gonna, what I need, but how do I pay? How do I pay more for it? Here's what we're gonna do, Travis. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull you. I'm gonna pull this number down a little bit for you because I do feel feel about uh, you know feel a little bit about your situation here. Then I identify with it. Sounds empathetic. Um, I like the fact that. Uh, that your mother-in-law is helping, that she's pitching in, and I want to pitch in too. Solid lady. So I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go to my deepest number here for you. I'm going to drop it down to eighty-seven fifty. <laughs> and I'm going to and I'm going to offer five thousand dollars in cash with the rents financed, interest-free oh, for twelve months. You're going to give me. Five thousand. No, I'm I'm, I'm going to ask for five thousand in cash. Because that actually sounds like a solution. And the other 12 months financed, interest-free. Wow. All right, back to some points. <laughs> All right, well, that sounds awesome. I'm glad you're financing it. I can do. I'm glad you're financing it because the bank never would under that, that valuation. Look, in that, this is a pretty good example for those listening. I've turned Joe's mic off here for a minute. You can't negotiate with the impossible. You can't. And, 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 and understand, if the guy... Everybody says they don't have to sell. That's only true about, you know, two out of 10 times. When you're dealing with the two out of 10, I've kind of got one now. We, we've got a, a property owner, and he owns a big, nice house. And this guy lives in it and pays a lot of rent to him. Well, I mean, the guy that lives in it wants to buy the house. And he wants to buy it pretty. You can tell he wants to buy it pretty bad. He's sort of on it, okay? Here's the deal. The property owner, he don't really want to sell it. And every time I broach the subject, so this is a this is a negotiation, whether you know they're willing or not or whatever. Right now, it, it is because what is the property on? What is the guy who doesn't have to sell and really truly does not have to sell? What is his deal? You know what? You're just gonna have to pay what I want. And it's not just that that, that, that he didn't have to sell. He also has a premium, unique product. And that's how you get a premium, unique price. You need to separate and, yourself. And you've got to find the buyer that appreciates that value that's being brought. And if they don't, you need to determine that early on. As in our example, you didn't appreciate that premium value product. You're looking price was more important to you. And uh, you're so far off the mark that you, you your first offer didn't value the product. And so uh, there, there are cars that I bought in the past I was looking for that guy. I actually bought a car recently. I was looking for the guy who clearly babied that car, mm. who knew every stitch in that seat. And I, I was willing to pay a premium price f- to get the knowledge and information and understanding 
of what I'm buying where I'm not going to get it at a dealership. Yeah, there's been three owners. I'm going to get a Carfax at a dealership. And I'm going to get a, a quick clean they did to make it spruced up and look where this guy is going to sit here and, and talk to me about every service item he did. And he did. And so, you know, there's, there's understanding what product you have, I'm going to tell you, is, is paramount in, in the negotiation. And there is a buyer. Not every buyer is a buyer for every product. So, well, th this goes back to something I said earlier, which is helping people understand, especially if you're coming. All right. So if you're coming into the negotiation as the expert, because it's rare that in the negotiation, there's two experts in the product or in the subject matter, maybe more business to business type negotiations, right? Where there's guys that just have bought this product a million times on both sides, but Often, uh, you know, when we're dealing with property owners in a retail environment, there's not. Typically. Yeah, we're we're not dealing with folks who are doing this all day every day. And so, part of the job of the good negotiator is to start the process out. And this is the tough part where you don't sound. This is where you can get advers. This is, in fact, where people get adversarial and lose the deal. Is when they start to say, "Well, you know, your daggum car ain't worth three thousand dollars." You know, I've done, I've done this and let me tell you the 10 reasons why this sucks. And they think that that is somehow helping to the negotiation when all that's doing is repelling the other party. You've got to educate them. Maybe their car is only worth 3000, but the way you get them to agreeing with that, that's the art of what we're talking about. Oh yes. Yeah. And, and if we're going back to the car sale, it's, it's. You know, I bought a motorcycle last year from a guy in California. Never put my eyes on it. But the way he presented the property online, what he said about the property in those comments, or the property, the, the motorcycle in those comments, alerted me to the fact that this motorcycle was babied. That this motorcycle was his prized possession. That he had cared for it like a baby. That's what babied means. And... I wanted that versus every dealer ad. They took the generic language that came from the original motorcycle manufacturers, pasted it on there and said, we got a beauty here at 12,000 miles or 25,000 miles. Mm -hmm. Right. A beauty like everybody else. No, this guy didn't, didn't do it that way. Right. Now he wheeled me in. He rolled me right on in through his marketing. So there so the art of negotiation starts at the very first interaction that that, that that buyer has with your product. It's the very first one. What's the perception that was created? Did you put him in a situation where you sounded desperate? Right. Well, um, I, I think that this author, Chris Voss, has, has stolen a little bit from the old, uh, it's old now, but the most popular, the one everybody's heard of, the, the seven habits of highly effective people. Right. What's that author's name? Uh, Stephen Covey, Stephen Covey yeah. right on the tip of your tongue. I took it off him. Um, seek first to understand and then to be understood, right? Boy, I hope that's Stephen Covey. There's lots. It is. There's, since there's millions listening online right now, that will be corrected. That's Stephen Covey. That's Stephen Covey. I think that's the idea here. Uh, Voss is big on, on the empathetic part. You know, help me. I'm going to understand you. I'm going to understand. seek to understand, right? I'm going to empathize with you. I'm going to agree on some points. But then I'm going to ask you, this is part two here. Move, move into this. This is kind of getting ready for the close, baby. All you sales guys, listen, you like the close. You want the close. Joe, you need the close. You need guys like me out there 
on that wall, closing on that wall. Yeah. Where that? That's a movie reference. <laughs> I don't know. You can't handle the clothes. Was it Joe. there? Was it there? Yeah, yeah. You need guys like me. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, he said it so loud and <laughs> with passion. I didn't. Know passion. I didn't get the parallel. Yeah, he didn't get the parallel. But the second part of this is I've empathized with you now. I need you to empathize with me, right? So I have brought your walls down, perhaps, and created a situation by hearing you, by empathizing with you, by understanding your situation and what, what angle you're coming from here. But we don't just leave it there because that's, that's one-sided at this point. You know, ultimately, It's a two-way empath- uh, empath- Absolutely. I mean, when we talk about the art of negotiation, you can frame that up on either side of the, of the, of the, the buyer of the sale. Right. Both parties have to do the same thing if they want to get the most out of it. Well, but 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 I, what I think he's presenting here is I'm empathizing with you, and then if you're not responding to that, which I think often it's natural that people would respond to empathy with empathy, right? But if it's not, I'm going to go ahead and ask you to. And I think that's a pretty cool point in his in his book. You know, I mean, if you uh, his, his quote here, which is to me the sum of his book, is he who has learned to disagree without being disagreeable has discovered the most valuable secret of negotiation. And I think that's pretty cool because if you can ask somebody, this is something I kind of think you got to practice a little bit. I don't think this is intuitive. Um, hey, Joe, I hear what you're saying. I appreciate what you're saying. Now, look, here's where I'm at. Right. And that transition from you, I hear what you're saying to here's where I'm at is now where I'm at. I'm really asking for a concession on your part. I'm asking for you to hear me to make a concession to so, my point. So let me tell you what the hear me is. And this has come from another book. Uh, you always need to start and shoot well higher than you ever expect to land. Well higher. Well, you just blew that out of the water with my $2,500 offer. That's way lower. But but it's way lower from an already massively doubled starting point that you had. Is that Was that your intention? Well, your $5,500 uh, valuation of KBB not, was not validated by me. That's something you came up with. It's not mine. It's my banker. It's my insurance agent. I don't have my website. You just, you just pulled it out of the air. I don't have proof of that. <laughs> That's why we didn't get a deal done right, right there. Right, right. right there. No, what, what I'm saying is, is I want you to ask me. Let's go back in that conversation. Let's pretend you empathize with me, which I frankly don't think that you did. But if you did, I want to hear your transition now. Help me, the, 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 the pandemic buyer, help, help me empathize with you, Joe, the seller who doesn't really need to sell. How would you do that? Well, no, a negotiation, as, as, you, as you read it, has to go back and forth, right? I came in with 9500 you, you came in with 2500 way too low. I came in with another negotiation. What did Travis do? No other form of negotiation. You stopped. You just called me an idiot. I was being too. Basically, <laughs> well, I, was, I don't think I yeah, called so, you an idiot. So you didn't keep the negotiation going. I think you were calling yourself an idiot. I don't think I called you. You didn't keep it going. It's insecurity. And so you stopped. And what I knew is, is I wasn't a serious buyer. And so, and I don't waste my time with not serious buyers. That is one thing I have learned over the years. There's a lot of car, tire kickers out there. Qualify. Like, yeah, tire kickers. Or either that, or he's another wholesaler trying to buy the car and make money on it. You know, if you're a real guy that's going to buy the car and, 
and anything about my ad made sense, you're not coming in at 25% of value. So <laughs> 25% again of your value. So how do you handle that? Put yourself on the other side. So you usually are on the other side. I don't make the phone call. No, no, no. If somebody has no, a vehicle no, no. at $9,500 no, no, no. and it's worth $2,500, I don't make the phone call. You need to come back to reality to who you are. You're on the phone on the regular with people who go, it's worth 230 and it's worth 150 I mean, that's kind of that's yes, Joe Watkins, Inc. right there. You do this all the time. The guy that's starting out with this ridiculously inflated that's value. Right. But right. I didn't think my value was ridiculously inflated. <laughs> I think before we started the show, you said it's worth forty five hundred dollars. I was arguing on my side. No, 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 no. I said let's 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 establish that KBB says fifty five hundred. Okay. Well, KBB generally is an authority in it's not even close. They're so far off right now Definitely in today's not. market. Yeah, they are. They are. For, for 2009 Chrysler vans. They're off. Yeah, I don't believe that. Either. Go ask CarMax. Let's call CarMax right now. Here's the deal. I, I want to establish that as part of negotiating. CarMax, who, by the way. We need to give the nuggets to these guys. Does and, not negotiate. And one of the nuggets is that in negotiation, you can't give up your, your, your highest position from the beginning. You've got to start in, in, in a place that's. Uh, you know, pretty far from your, I mean, it don't need to be 70% off of your number, but it needs to be, you know, uh, far enough off that, uh, that gives some negotiating room. Well, I think you got to know your weak point. I think if you're going in and price is high, I think you better separate it. Uh, you better create some value around that price and you better find out, like you said, now, if you're going in with a high price, because you're unique or you offer some value, you, it is, it, now it's on you to communicate that. That's right. And, and, I, and I try to do that. And there's, you, there's no competition for that vehicle. And if you can communicate that successfully, you're probably going to get your price from the right buyer. Right. I think what, what uh, Mr. Voss uh, tells us is, and I also read this in another book in negotiating, is always have a third party on your team that you can say, hey, look, um, my higher powers basically are telling me that this is this is where I got to be, and then to come off of that, it's I need to go to the finance room. This is your car dealership mm. thing. I need to go to the finance manager and and see if I can if I can make that work uh, yeah. because because if it's on me, I lose the angle at one of my angles of negotiating. So always have the higher power yeah in the room yeah. And that way it takes the pressure off you too. You can go, you, you can actually go, well, I, okay, I, I see where you're coming from. I, I can't make that work. I can't make that happen, but I've got some people I can talk to. Let me see what they you can know, do. You know, people know this intuitively. P people go to this all the time. You, you know what You know what the guy's version of this is with, with me and most of the times I'm dealing with it? Yeah, I got to talk to my wife about that. <laughs> it's, it's always a third party that so happens to not be within earshot of what's happening right now. But, you know, that's also a, a signal to me that I have failed to create kind of an irresistible value offer there. Because when you get right down to it, and one of the things that uh, uh, Chris talks about this, like I said, I think a lot of these books are talking about this now, is I want you and I were talking about this at lunch. When, when I start to negotiate or present an offer to somebody, um, I want to first, prior to that, 
prior to getting down to the number piece of it or the data piece of it, I want to get a philosophical agreement on what's happening here. You know, Joe, do you philosophically agree that the, our number one goal with what we're about to do here is this? Buy the car, sell the car. Well, if, if, if my number one goal is agreed upon, well, now we could move forward to how, how do we get there? But if we're not agreeing on, I mean, if the goal is the price, you know, like for that situation, if it's the buyer and it's, well, you know, I appreciate it's worth a million dollars. I got three grand to spend. All right. Well, it's not going to work. Maybe there's just nothing to do. I mean, it's here. done. That's what I'm saying. That, that version's done. And that's what you presented in the beginning is I don't have any money. I don't have a job. And that basically you presented a done scenario. Uh, see, because you didn't empathize and I'm going to go ahead and, and, and I, I'm getting a little irritated at this point, uh, be, 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 because you <laughs> failed to listen, understand all the damn things that we list that, that we, we listed here that we were going to talk about <laughs> since you did nothing that we're presenting. Nor did you. you You're you on the failed. other side of negotiation. Nor did I. Nor did I. You're not, on the other not, side not, of not negotiation. Only, not only did I empathize with your situation, why you were selling it. You're not keeping it in a daggum garage. It's out in the elements. You already explained <laughs> that to me. Uh, you, you know, so I presented you three independent sources of value. All you told me is it's worth $9,500. Oh, hey, I understand that you this have was probably the ridiculous. only 2,000, only fully loaded Chrysler Town <laughs> Country <laughs> on the market with 40,000 miles. For well, under ten grand, and oh, by the way, here's twenty five hundred dollars. Thank you for preserving this for me over the last ten years. Because all the- I, you were in mind as I maintained my my vehicle. Hell, I'll give it to. I'd rather give it to the church than sell it to you for twenty five hundred dollars. That's what I wanted to say. We'll give it to the church. Maybe we just had something good come up out of this thing. Let's let's call the pastor right now. Ask him. I mean, geez, I give it to somebody who really needs it. You know, than, than the scam artist trying to buy steal it from me. Golly. You know, the reason there's no more white vans like yours is because they impound them when the kidnappers get arrested. I mean, what do you want me to do with this white van? Other, The only person that's going to drive that white van <laughs> is my mother-in-law. That's it. Well, you know, white in general in our, in our, in our uh, culture is not going too well. And I guess that van you just proved. Well, you, you, your, your white shirt today is certainly nice on you, Joe. Thank very, you. Very, very, very nice. Well, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't empathized with. That deal didn't get done. And... Uh, Man, you still own that van. Well, again, that, that was a that was a failed deal from the start, and I think that's what needs to be understood here is that oftentimes is the problem in every in a, in a negotiation. Now, I want to talk a little bit more about how negotiation works in everyday conversation. Um, I have a premise that almost every conversation, unless you're just talking about the weather, I mean, if if you're if you're just literally talking about nothing, then negotiation doesn't matter. But, you know, any fruitful conversation usually has a little bit of conflict, a little bit of philosophizing, a little bit of learning or training or, or you know, that kind of deal. Or, and, and you're ultimately trying to get another party to buy into something that you want them to buy into. Uh, you're trying to convince somebody of something. You're trying to share a philosophy, uh, you're espousing, you're teaching, you're parenting, you're coaching. These are all negotiations. And, and this has kind of been a little bit something that I've been toying with over the last year is why have I not thought about that over my life? How come when I get in that, that, that real estate 
contract deal that has all the complications it has that I can get totally invested in my mind and, and being creative and, and really putting myself in the other party's shoes and understanding, trying to what to get what they're going to accomplish. And the more I understand what they want to accomplish, the better I can help tee up what I have to offer and, and all that stuff that, that happens. Um, why has that not been the thought process in some of these everyday conversations that we have? And, and can we use that thought process to be effective in, 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 in daily conversations with our people? Well, I think we definitely can. I think we're kind of, I think you and I are kind of exploring that with, with our folks right now. And it's something I would challenge anybody in small business to, to think that way in terms of, look, at the end of the day, you're a small business owner. Your goals generally are pretty clear around your business life. Um, but you got people uh, that all have their own goals working for you. And ultimately, we've already talked about on this podcast many times, money for your employees isn't you know necessarily the, the, the number one reason why they're performing. Um, take that home. T- take that to uh, family life and, and different interactions there. Everybody at the end of the day has a a goal or they have a desire, they have a want. And I think what we fail to do outside of business is it becomes a little more unclear to us what that is sometimes with the people around us. Now, a little bit of thought pretty quickly. I think we get it, but just if, if you're, if you're dialed out of that and you're not thinking about it, I think then, you know, you can have situations that blow up on you uh, that wouldn't have blown up in a real estate negotiation because you would have had a much better understanding of, of what's going on. After a few rounds of negotiation, you would have gleaned the information. Go, okay, here's what's important to this buyer or the seller. Uh, when you get in your home life, your personal life, and other areas of your life, I think that gets a little complicated. Well, we allow, we allow our emotions to uh, jump in here. And, and, and I think when it comes to, I mean, what a good negotiator is going to do is the opposite. They never allow their emotions. They they understand everybody else's emotions, but you can't allow your own emotions to take over in in the in the negotiation. And so, you know, in business, why is it easier to do that? And, and, and by the way, it's not easy for everybody to do that. There are a lot of people that say "f you" at a deal because they're offended mm. by something that took place, mm. and so they'll let the whole deal go to hell over you know this one offense and the powerful negotiator is getting offended all the time or could be offended all the time. They don't allow it to offend him because it's not personal. He's, he's got the, the end goal in mind and he is weaving his way to the end goal, knowing that he's going to have these, these stones of emotion throw at him, you know, all kinds of, uh, uh, you know, bumps and hurdles. And, and, and so with, uh, you know, with a n- normal everyday conversation, you're again. It can happen. Uh, I use it. I use it when I'm in the restaurants. Um, you did it today in a restaurant. We we may have called that the power of suggestion, but I think it actually was both that and negotiating. When you say, "Hey, uh, yeah, I want that that chicken salad we normally get, and uh, you know, an extra three dollars for for you know an extra fillet of chicken." I made an offer. You just sort of made an offer. <laughs> And in the world of people not understanding or, or even believing the negotiation is even, uh, you know, doable, they don't know what to say to it. So what do they do? They agree. They just do it. They agree with it. You know, it's not even on the menu. When you when you go outside of the confines of the menu, that's where you get your best deals. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. When you say, listen, I understand you have, I do this a lot. I understand you have tuna in the restaurant. You just don't have it quite in the way I'd like to get it. 
it's, uh, it's over here. It's with this. So here's what I want to do. I want just that filet of tuna. And then I want just the cheese grits. It's only two things I want. I'll give you $7.99 for that. <laughs> Based on what you have on your menu, your, your, your sides are $3.99 a piece. Your meal over here is $14.99. We're going to take off the sides here. We're going to take off the salad here. That puts it at about 8 bucks. That should make it work. I, and I'll take that medium rare. That works, Travis. More, more times than not, uh, that's going to work. It works. That's gonna, you're, you're, well, it's because you're crafting a very clear, uh, easy thing to say yes to, frankly. Like, you know, today's situation is very, it's much harder to say no and then try to get into the repercussions of saying no to your customer in that situation. It's much easier to, just to say yes. But I, I'll go back to maybe the difference between business negotiations and home negotiations or other negotiations and something to watch out for on either side that you may find yourself on here. Uh, one of which is, here's the hard guy to negotiate with. The guy who really does have five other buyers for that car. Very similar to the car that you bought. The day, in fact, the, the day you bought the car, I was with Joe the day he bought this car, this guy really legitimately was basically going to sell it to Joe or somebody else that day. It was going to happen pretty much that day. It wasn't the BS type situation. It was the true blue, real, real deal. Even to the point when we were test driving the car, that buyer actually called while we were test driving the car. To yeah, come. when can I come when and, can I and come? get the car? Not yeah. not test drive. Okay, so <laughs> not a heck of a lot of negotiation taking on. When I you, hate being when, when you find yourself on that side. But you knew you were on that side of it. I did. And you knew you wanted the car. So. And I wanted the car. So that that's what matters. So I would say in, in that business world or in that world, when you're negotiating with the guy who's got a bunch of different looks, a bunch of different buyers, that's a hard deal. No, but know that going into it. Uh, try to try not. It's a part, again knowing who they are. When you're at home now, and we're talking to let's say our beautiful wives. Before you can go, there, I'm yes. going to say even know what you want out of it. If if just getting the deal was right. what you really want out right. of it, then to keep looking for the deal. Yeah. But if you needed that car, yeah, because th there's no other car like it, then you then you need to be careful in your negotiation strategy because well, you might lose it. You yeah. might, and, and understand if you're looking for this unique car that you probably have put yourself in a category of other people who are looking for it and willing to pay for it. Right. So, so what becomes important then is getting to it quickly. Kind of like my van. Go ahead and go to your yeah, personal yeah, your scenario. Van the personal yeah. scenario is now you're negotiating with someone and there's not 10 other people. Mm. You're not able to just go, ah, you know what? What the heck with you? I'll just go over here and, and I'll you're start forced to deal with them. You now are in the cage, baby. Your negotiation becomes even more powerful. They've locked the cage door. You're going to have a result. So there's going to be an outcome here. Walking away here is not an option. There will be, now there will be a pay-per-view negotiation that takes C could place. Could be bloody. <laughs> Often. Could, they, <laughs> they could, they, there could be sex that occurs. Oh. There could be any version <laughs> of a negotiation here. Being negotiated for. Is that certainly that's, that's what you're being negotiated. Yes. And well, what I'm saying is, is the, what takes place could be anywhere from sex to, 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 to war. To who's going to... Because so, there is going to be an outcome. That's what I'm saying. And, yeah. uh, and so how do, you, how do you deal with that? How do you, how do you set that up? How, how, does that, how, do you, how can you go into that, that, that boxing ring and the ring that you ain't getting out of until something comes out of it? Mm. How, do you, how, do you, how do you set yourself up and remind yourself and set yourself up for success in that? Because I think like any negotiation... The very first, if you want to call it a boxing match, the very first punch mm. is the most important one. The very first offer 
how it's positioned, when it happens, the tone it's in, it's, it's everything. Well, I think we go back to our, our guy here. How many times when there is a, dare we call it a disagreement, that already feels negative. How, how many times when there's a disagreement with our spouse and there's a negotiation? Okay. I wouldn't have chosen that music. <laughs> okay. I would have chosen a much happier you tone. You said disagreement with our spouse. Is there, is there a happier tone? Uh, uh, you know. No, not that either. Not okay. that either. <laughs> how many times do we go into that, that situation with empathy? How many times do we lead with empathy? Huh? Not very often. Not very often. Crickets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So empathy. In fact, Chris Voss's book here is much more, is much better entitled, Never Split the Difference with Your Spouse. Lead with Empathy. Talk to me about the last time that happened. G- g- give me a good example. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. That's uh, uh, that. We don't have enough time to have that oh, conversation. Uh, yeah, there's, too, too, there's too many examples. Too many times. Lead with empathy. Um, lead with empathy. Well, well bet- dear, um, I know it's been a rough day for you been long you're tired it's been very long <laughs> i'm exhausted and, and 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 i understand when you feel that way that you'd really really just like to have a dinner cooked for you at home oh what did you make me i'm gonna take you to your favorite restaurant tonight you don't even have to get ready you look great like you are baby Bevo brady's we're going to McDonald's. Because <laughs> that is your favorite restaurant. <laughs> Remember, baby? Back when we were teenagers, you loved McDonald's. Joe, there's so much empathy. You, you seem to have so much empathy for my fatigue. <laughs> is there anything, Joe, I no, can do for that, you? That is the empathy that I got to give. Because if I said, hey, baby, um, let's go to uh, Plant Smoothie. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, we're getting divorced over that one. So, <laughs> yeah. So, 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 do your negotiation with yourself before you look in the mirror. Jump into that. Look, they say in speeches, get in the mirror and and, and say it. And boy, it's uh, pretty revealing when you actually look at yourself and you go, "What an ass!" Mm. <laughs> the way I just said that, that didn't. That wasn't very empathetic. Mm. You um, know, the other problem there too is when you get pissed off, the empathy just flies out the window. Don't get pissed off. That's hard to do in in personal situations, <laughs> is it not? That's, that, and that's what I'm saying. That, that there's a difference in the environment that you're putting this into practice in. Well, but what we're suggesting is that take a little more of the approach and concept you might have in a business negotiation mm-hmm. and apply it to those those situations because you are purposefully trying to keep yourself away from being emotional, mm-hmm. and you are on the front side understanding and reflecting understanding back in the conversation to the counterpart. Why don't we do that in our, in our home situation? Why do we, we do the opposite, right? We go in and go, well, I need you to consider me. It needs to be about me. How come you didn't think about me? I get it, but will you do it to me too? And me, 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 me. But in that world, we don't do that. 
And uh, I mean, empathy is is massively powerful in every environment. We talked about humility in one of our podcasts, and I think these go like it goes it goes hand in hand. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and and you know, when when you receive, I'd say in any of these negotiation scenarios, when you receive valid, critical information in in the counter offer, you know, the counter offer gives you well. Here's the five reasons why, you know, I am asking for this. Here's what. I'm going to have to do. Here's the expenses I'm going to have to go to. Here's reality. Now, look, you got to filter it. Is that really real? Is this somebody who's trying to get what they want? I think that's true here in the in the home life too. When when you're in the middle of that negotiation and you're presented with reality, ignoring that reality, well, that that ends the whole negotiation. You can't be the guy that gets presented with the facts and you just write them off because you got to have what you got to have. No, that's right. That's right. That's especially when you're in the room in the one that you can't get out of, which is, you know, some of these personal situations, at least in the car buying, you can say, well, I'm not buying the car <laughs> in the other, in the other world. You can't go in and not, and ignore the facts, right? Oh, you're buying the car. The in facts. The, in the other world. Yeah. The car's already bought. Yeah. You're driving it and Better. you may be disagreeing why you should, why you bought it or you should have bought, but you bought it. You bought it. Yeah. And so now you, you it's a different deal, and I don't know. I think we, uh, in the effort of uh, of trying to uh, nail down uh, negotiations, we talked about empathy probably more than we did get negotiations. There's a lot of things here in negotiations we could have another whole podcast we didn't get to, but but we are approaching the hour, and do you have any last and final thoughts? I would say that we talk about this term a lot. The thing that you can do that cures five or ten other things, other things, deals, other books that are written on on uh, negotiation strategies, the, the millions of volumes that are out there. If, if the person you're talking to feels like you empathize with them and feels like you're connecting with them and you have diffused me against you and you've connected the dots on, hey, philosophically, I need to sell, you need to buy, let's, let's figure out how to get this done where we both feel good. I think you're 90%. I think that's what takes care of the 50 other things that you would be trying to do in a negotiation. Tell you what, I'm just gonna and I'm gonna end it with this in in a, in a picture of that. This might be a negative picture, but I think you'll get the picture. You've been kidnapped by somebody at gunpoint and thrown in the back of the car. You're in that situation. You're this is more like the hostage negotiation. You're in that situation. You're you don't get to choose whether you buy the car or not. You're in it now. Now, in that moment. The person that stays calm, they they realize what's going on and who they're dealing with. And the quicker they can figure out who they're dealing with and what makes them tick and show some empathy towards them, they find more likely that's how they that's how these folks get out of the situation. Sure. Uh, and that that's just a glimpse of wow, how's my mind if I make it about me, 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 me in that situation, that person don't he don't much care about you. That's why he kidnapped you. Right. That's what he, he cares about him. Yeah. He's anticipating that. And so, you know, be careful. You know, I'm not suggesting, you know, that in you well, know, lots of examples of that. There, yeah. There's lots of examples yeah. of that. We've seen it over and over. And, and so anyway, that, that is the Never big truth. Split the difference on the big truths, the big truths of small business. And, uh, that is our show today. And we appreciate you joining and we are always available. Yes. I rent.com. We're always available at Spotify, 
and Apple and Google Podcasts. Subscribe. Subscribe. Share. We've got some special guests coming soon that's going to make this thing rig and roll. We're actually going to be very soonly on video, we think. Oh. Yeah, our, our demand of listeners has said, I, I, would see, I would see you more if you were on YouTube or Facebook. So we're going to give them what they're asking for. But for now. Give them what they want. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the truth of small business. We got the truth. We got the truth. We got the big truths of small business. Sponsored by Yes I Rent. Yes I Rent. Yes I Rent. Property management. Place good tents and collect your rent. Maintain your properties and account for it. Truth. We got the truth. We got the truths. We got the big truths of small business. Sponsored by Yes I Rent. We'll see you next week.